0: Angie's List is now Angie, A-N-G-I, the nation's largest home services marketplace. And they're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project is, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done. Well, that's what you want, right? I'm uh, thinking about building out my basement in my cabin. I've been perusing Angie looking for just the right contractor to get it done the way my wife and I want it done. Now, Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and right in your neighborhood. That's important, right? You can do comparative shopping. Get started today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today. The app and the website are free to use. Angie.com or the Angie app. Go check it out today. Hello America, and happy Wednesday. We've got a great show for you. This week will be a best of the John Solomon Reports podcast from this year. Hope you enjoy some of our favorite handpicked interviews. We'll be right back after hearing from our great partner sponsors and advertisers. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Our next guest, one of the brightest minds in all of the foreign policy and security world, one of the most respected players in that space for a very long time, former U.N. Ambassador, former National Security Advisor John Bolton. Mr. Ambassador, good to have you back on the show. Glad to be back with you. Lot to talk about, but I want to start with some personal news on your front. There are some strong indications in the comments you made that you're thinking of running in 2024. Tell us one: is that true? And two: what are the factors that will go into you ultimately deciding to run?
1: Right. Well, I, I was uh, stunned, really, by uh, uh, former President Trump's comments about terminating the Constitution over the past weekend. But but I was uh, but I was also uh, surprised and worried at the absence of. Uh, real repudiation of of the view that the Constitution can be terminated by Republican leaders and especially uh, the the people who have been mentioned uh, as potential candidates for our 2024 presidential nomination. And uh, so I tweeted a little bit about it. And then uh, the more I thought about it, the more I worried both from a a principled point of view that you can't have a party leader who doesn't accept the Constitution, but also from the point of view of practical politics, that uh, th- this uh, this comment by by Trump is like a time bomb uh, that every Republican candidate will be carrying around uh, in in this election cycle unless we repudiate it. So uh, my point is, if others aren't go- aren't going to do it, I- I'm prepared to do it. And. I should say back in 2016, 2015, 2016, I, I took a pretty serious look then at getting into the race uh, in, in that cycle. And I, you know, I went to Iowa, New Hampshire, and I did the candidate forums and took, actually took my wife and daughter to uh, New Hampshire to see how they like campaigning, because that's a pretty serious decision for the family. Ultimately, I decided not to do it, but but I did look at it carefully. I think I've got a good idea of just what a heavy lift it is to be a candidate. And it's not a decision people take lightly. But uh, so uh, neither am I doing this on the spur of the moment. I've got that background. I understand it. I was up on the Hill yesterday. I'm going to Texas today for the rest of the week. I'll be going to California on Sunday to spend some time there next week and, you know, talking to people and and, uh, getting their thoughts and advice and whatnot. And, uh, you know, also waiting for more Republican leaders to speak out.
0: Yeah. And you've had an impeccable record in the security space in foreign policy. As you consider this, what would your domestic policy look like? Do you, do you like the America first approach of domestic policy? Where, where do you come down and what sort of domestic policy are you beginning to develop out?
1: Well, I'm I'm a strong believer in, uh, in fiscal responsibility and, and we're facing a real challenge because we need to spend significantly more on defense and intelligence matters given the threats we face from China and Russia, North Korea, and Iran. But we've also got to dramatically reduce the uh, wasteful domestic spending uh, that the Biden administration has specialized in. It's one thing to take into account the shock of the the COVID pandemic. We're way past that, but we're spending far too much money domestically. So we need to get the overall budget way down. I think that will help stimulate growth in the economy. I'd look forward to tax cuts. As soon as we could do it. But we've got to begin to cut back on the whole entitlement mentality. And it's uh, there's a big job out there. But, uh, you know, I think Republicans are ready for it. I think we've seen what's happened in the past two years and it's going to take a while to clean that up. But but that that is what is necessary to help get the economy back on track.
0: Yeah. It's sort of amazing, too. We're at a, poem, a moment in American history where we have $5 trillion of tax revenue, and yet we're still running deficits. I just My mind gets boggled by that. There's a way to get this budget balanced and back into order, isn't there?
1: Well, you know, economic growth is the best way to do it, but when government is out there sucking up the available capital to finance the deficit, it's very hard to do that. I mean, we're in much better shape looking ahead in terms of possible recession next year than Europe is. So this is a real opportunity for the United States. We've got energy security uh, here at home. We could have a lot more if the Biden administration would allow us to pump oil and gas that we have. Uh, But that's why Europeans are actually turning now to the U.S. It's why we need to do more to encourage uh, reshoring of a lot of the supply chain that uh, I think improvidently has been put in China and elsewhere around the world, all of which will strengthen our domestic economy very substantially.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt there's such an opportunity there. Your take last night on the Georgia runoff, another disappointing run for Republicans. What's your diagnosis of what went wrong there?
1: Well, you know, it's uh, if you look at the final results, it was within three percentage points. Uh, Herschel Walker actually came very close. And so what it says to me when you compare it to the result on November the 8th, where Governor Brian Kemp, very successfully uh, won reelection, defeating Stacey Abrams, who was essentially uh, a Democratic presidential candidate in waiting. Uh, it shows Republicans can still win in Georgia, and I think it was the Trump overshadow. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of personal background, but you know, I'm not sure that uh, if if uh, uh, David Perdue or Kelly Loeffler, the the Republican senators who were defeated in 2020, if they had want run. Uh, I think they could have beaten Warnock. I think he was beatable. And I think uh, as we look back on this year's midterms, the reason we don't have a much bigger majority in the House of Representatives and the reason now we've lost, I thought, was a real possibility of taking control of the Senate, uh, was the Trump influence. Uh, So, you know, there there are a lot of reasons to be concerned about Trump's role in the party. Uh, I just for these purposes stress the practical political role. Uh, we need to govern. We need to get control of the House and the Senate and, and obviously in 2024 in the White House. And the rule that we ought to follow to make sure we can get people elected in November is what William F. Buckley used to follow. The rule he had was in a primary, you support the most conservative candidate who can win in November. So there are two prongs to that test. And that's what we've got to think of, not who can win the primary, That's great, but they have to win in November for us to be able to govern.
0: Yeah, that candidate selection becomes so important. I think that's one of the big lessons in the 2022 midterms when we look back. The state of the party, do you see Ronald McDaniel back in charge for another two years, or would you like to see a change at the top of the party?
1: Well, uh, just uh, announced this morning, apparently, Lee uh, Zeldin has decided not, not to run against her uh you know it's uh it's uh it's been traditional republican national chairman only spend 4 years in office uh, she's been in office 6 we haven't done very well we didn't do uh, well in 2018 we didn't do well in 2020 uh we didn't do we didn't do well this year in fact uh, uh and and uh you know i i don't uh, i'm i am i would like to see some more candidates out there as disappointed we decided not to run uh, competition's is a good thing, including for chairman of the party. We've still got uh, over a month before before the RNC meets to decide that. So uh, let's let's see what happens.
0: Yeah. it would be very interesting to watch that play out. You have for a long time pegged China as an existential threat to Western society. A lot of people I think are rallying around your point of view. You are way ahead of them. Do you think our foreign policy has caught up in any way with the China threat or how much more do we have to keep pushing ahead to beat them and stay in charge as the number one superpower in the world?
1: Well, I think I think we, we've learned an awful lot uh, and uh, I think we're catching up. I, I do give Trump credit for uh, putting tariffs on China, it's like it's like hitting them between the eyes with a two-by-four to get their attention, that we know what they've been up to in the trade world, stealing our intellectual property, engaging in forced technology transfers, rigging the World Trade Organization system that's supposed to be pro-free trade. They've, they've pursued mercantilist uh, economic policies to their advantage and our disadvantage. Uh, But the thing about the Chinese threat this century is that it really is government-wide, really society-wide, economic, political, military. They're obviously making uh, aggressive uh, sounds about going after Taiwan. They've they've tried to take control of the uh, South China Sea, uh, through which nearly half the world's uh, uh, ocean shipping goes in any given year. They're engaged in a massive military buildup, including Uh, nuclear capabilities, uh, new ballistic missile programs, uh, ballistic missile submarine programs. uh, And we are still waking up. I don't think the Biden administration has a strategy uh, on this. Uh, I'm not saying developing that strategy would be easy because it really is a comprehensive threat that we're facing. But uh, in, in the absence of the strategy, Uh, uh, You know, plan beats no plan. China's moving ahead and we're still catching up.
0: Were you surprised by the robustness of the protests by the Chinese people and maybe the muted response from the Chinese government? Is there something going on internally in China, isn't there?
1: I think that's uh, absolutely right. I think uh, almost everybody was surprised by the demonstrations. It it may be that the uh, Chinese government has modified its uh, very harsh lockdown uh, COVID uh, uh, procedures of whether permanently or not remains to be seen i think they were trying to placate demonstrators but you know it wasn't just protesting the covid restrictions that we saw it was college students and others holding up blank pieces of paper to represent what the government wouldn't allow them to say so i think the discontent goes much deeper i think xi jinping has consolidated his control over the government and the communist party but Uh, But real dissent still exists there. And, uh, you know, it's a it's a warning, I think, to the U.S. government not not to fall into the easy habit of just negotiating with authoritarian adversaries of the U.S., like the Biden administration has done with Iran uh, and ignore the wishes of the people. Ronald Reagan had the balance right during the Cold War to encourage the dissidents uh, inside the Soviet Union, even as he dealt with them on uh, other issues. We, we need to get back to that kind of Reaganite approach to China.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You had, I think, one
0: of the most profound tweets in the last month on the foreign policy. You wrote, "How Washington responds to Jerusalem's new government could materially affect Biden's own foreign policy legacy." There's an extraordinary opportunity with Netanyahu coming back to power and either to self correct the biden policies or for biden to i guess fall further behind in world leadership what do you think happens there
1: well i'm very worried we're going to see conflict between the new netanyahu government and the biden administration because the biden people don't get it you know they've alienated many of our our strongest uh, supporters in the arab world they they're still pursuing this uh, feckless dangerous nuclear deal with uh, with iran and and uh, bypassing what the opposition uh, is going in Iran right now to threaten the regime. Uh, and they're still obsessed with the two-state solution for the for the Palestinian problem. So uh, this could be a great opportunity with the new Netanyahu government to strengthen America's security in the Middle East and more broadly. But I'm, I'm very worried the Biden administration is going to miss the chance. Yeah,
0: and it is a narrow chance to make a difference here right now. As you move into the sphere of considering to run for president, We're getting a much more comprehensive view of the effort to silence speech. I mean, what Elon Musk has revealed at Twitter, we see the FBI involved, all of the different forces seeming to repress what was the very first human right that our founding fathers gave us in the Bill of Rights. How concerned are you and what sort of dynamic needs to occur to push that tendency towards censorship away?
1: Well, the first thing I think I would would to repeal Section 230 of the Communications Act, which gives these... Uh, big social media platforms effective uh, immunity uh, uh, for, for their actions. I, I think if they if they want to put stuff on their website, they have to be held responsible for it. And uh, they can't have it both ways, which is what tw- Twitter was trying to do before, saying, oh, we encourage free speech, but suppressing speech that it didn't like. And I think Section 230 has helped some of these companies get a near monopoly position. And one way to, to enhance competition is avoid government measures that foster the monopoly. So that, that's the first step I'd take. I'd look and see what the impact was and then consider what else. might. Do. Yeah,
0: that definitely would have a profound impact. It would change the dynamic almost instantly. Mr. Ambassador, always an honor. We're going to be watching closely as you make the decision to jump in. Do you have a timetable for when you'll decide?
1: Well, I don't. Uh, at, at this point, I was up on the hill yesterday. I'm, I'm going to Texas uh, just a couple of hours. Uh, for the rest of the week, I'll be in California next week talking. To people. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens.
0: Well, there's a lot of John Bolton fans out there. I know rooting for you to get in. So it's going to be pretty interesting to watch. We'll be covering everything at Just the News. Thanks so much for joining us today, sir. Well, thanks again for being with you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.US slash Just News. That's AMAC.US forward slash Just News. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Our next guest has been spot on in everything. When you hear it from him, but usually three months later, the rest of Washington catches up to him. He is the great congressman from the state of Georgia, Congressman Austin Scott. Sir, great to have you on the show today.
2: Hey, John, thanks for having us.
0: You called the food crisis you called the Russia crisis, and now you are raising a red flag about something that I think every American is going to dial into very quickly the Communist Chinese are buying up farmland and other assets in the United States they probably don't have our best intention with those purchases do they
2: absolutely not and if you control the land you control the food supply and if you look at what China has done since the invasion of Ukraine China says they're not going to allow exports of uh, Rice and other products that they grow in their country. And now, you know, they're buying farmland inside the United States. This is something that um, we should have acted sooner than we have on this, but we certainly don't need our advers- adversary series buying up the cropland inside the United States and outside of cropland they do try to buy land close to our military bases that's you know obviously for spying and for for uh, no purpose that is in the best interest of the United States but um we're going to have to we're going to have to reassess uh what is happening with um these these countries like uh Communist China buying land inside the United States
0: You know, it's really interesting to watch the history of security in America because we always were ahead of security threats for all even going back to pre-World War II. And we always had people that were looking out over the horizon with binoculars saying, that's a problem. <clears throat> Let's get on top of it. Today, particularly with China, maybe because China does so much business and we we were addicted to the, the business side of their economy. Uh, we seem to always be finding out things after the fact. I mean, our, our our FBI directors gave two epic speeches in the last six months warning, but it seems like a lot of people get surprised. Well, they're buying up our land in the middle of a food shortage. Well, I guess they are. You're one of the few people that keep those binoculars out there. What can Congress do? what? Is there bipartisan support maybe for going and doing some legislation that puts restrictions on Chinese farmland purchases?
2: I, I think there will be. And, and the other thing that can happen, uh, John, is as we raise awareness at the national level, the states can also restrict the ability to purchase property inside their states. And some states have actually moved uh, to restrict corporate ownership uh, of, of farmland. And I'm certainly talking with state legislatures and in 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 georgia about about things that maybe we at the state level could do uh a little better but but this is uh, the john these people are not our friends they are our enemies and uh it is communist china it is a it is a country that uh does not believe in human rights uh they certainly don't care about the united states of america or our citizens and um you know, a tremendous amount of fentanyl actually you know originates in China that makes its way into the United States, and so uh, the issue with them buying land is is about their ability to control food supply. Uh, this is something we can't allow to happen and, and I do think that we will get to a bipartisan resolution on this.
0: yeah, that's going to be important. Having both parties stand with one voice against China is going to make us look a lot stronger in the world. So even if we have a weak president right now. On that point, Nancy Pelosi has scheduled a trip to go to Taiwan. Newt Gingrich, from the great state of Georgia, of course, says that she should go and other Republicans and Democrats should go in unity to send a message. Where do you stand on that? What do you think about that?
2: Uh, China does not get to tell the Speaker of the United States House of Representatives uh, where they can and cannot fly uh, unless it is inside uh, the territory of Communist China. Uh, she would have to have permission from Communist China to go into uh, their country, but, but the Speaker of the House of Representatives does not have to have permission from China to go anywhere else. And the fact that they think we do uh, simply tells you how aggressive they are with regard to uh, you know, their attempt to manipulate and dominate the world. Yeah, no doubt.
0: For the first part of my career in this town, we had most favored nation status, which meant every year China would have to come to the United States and say, you know what, we have to prove to you that we're good people, that we're making progress on human rights, that we're playing fairly economically. We erased those in the late 90s. Newt Gingrich has been on this podcast saying may have been the biggest mistake he made in his career allowing that vote. Are we at a point or is there a moment where Congress might go back and say, you know what, China is so poking us in the eye now, maybe it's time to go backwards to something like an MFN relationship with them. What's the sentiment in Congress for taking a lot tougher action against China?
2: It it, it has honestly not been discussed much, John. I, I will tell you there's a growing sense of frustration with uh, corporate America and in that inside of the borders of the United States, corporate America seems to have uh, this esg standard whether it be regard to human rights or uh, energy and they have that um, that stance inside the united states but as soon as they leave the borders of the united states they no longer care about esg and so they have spent billions and billions of dollars in china giving china a competitive advantage over us in manufacturing because they don't have to comply with uh, the labor laws that we do, the environmental laws that we do, and so and so, I would tell you it it is the double standard from corporate America that that I hear more about, and the frustration from uh, a lot of my colleagues on both sides of the aisle, in that you know you've got a you've got an ESG standard uh, inside the United States, but but if that truly is your uh, corporate um creed or 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 whatever you want to call it then why does it change when you leave america because if if we don't burn coal in the united states but china burns coal uh 24 hours a day seven days a week uh with more emissions you know per pound of coal burned than 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 we have because we actually do try to do it uh in uh with respect to to the environment what have you done uh you know, other than make other than make it worse. And so and so the frustration that I see is with um the standard inside the United States and you see now where the, the far left is trying to take that standard uh into the SEC with Gary Gensler and and have an ESG uh governance statement or standard for uh corporations, well If you're going to have that standard, it can't be just for what those companies are doing inside the United States of America. You can't give them a gold star for what they're doing in America if they're turning around and going to China and ignoring the environment altogether and ignoring human rights altogether. And yet that's what I expect Gary Gensler will do.
0: Yeah, boy, it's a scary time. And it's funny, I think.
2: Yeah, whose side are you on?
0: Yeah, listen, and it seems like corporate America and their apologists in the government are willing to trade short-term profit, short-term revenue for long-term loss of American supremacy, American security. And that's a bad trade. It's never worked out well in the history of the world making that trade. And I think you got a really impression point that we got to keep educating people on. I want to turn to another subject that you have been so eloquent on, and there are so many consequences of the open border, but one of them is the very people trying to get here are dying in much larger numbers. Uh, We're not even through the full fiscal 2022 year. Already 609 bodies have been recovered crossing our border. That's more than double that happened in the last two or three years of President Trump's watch. A lot of concerns that we've made an inhumane and actually lethal to in the United States under Joe Biden. How bad is this situation?
2: It it's horrible. It's not okay. And uh, you know, I think it was today that the uh, the mayor of DC, you know, has said they were going to deploy the National Guard because of the humanitarian crisis that is, that is now occurring in DC from the illegal immigrants that are coming uh to this city. Uh you've had the mayor of New York that's had that that's made comments about the impact on their health care and their education system uh in and, and these are democratic mayors John that are saying what- what are you doing to uh, our ability to serve you, you know the citizens that we are, that we had in, in this country in the United States of america and so uh there there are two impacts to illegal immigration, one of them is uh the societal cost, and the other one is is the fiscal. There's there's a huge fiscal cost to illegal immigration, and and now you've got Democratic mayors even calling out the administration, uh, needing the administration to stop this. Now the humanitarian crisis is, is just as big, potentially bigger, in that you know we now have twice as we found twice as many bodies. These are the bodies that have been found. There's no telling how many others are are out there uh this year uh, over last year you've got the fentanyl that is that is coming into uh this country enough fentanyl to kill the, somewhere around 90% of Americans uh it's it's a poison uh, I, I think that some parents have some pretty good ideas that have that have lost children to this horrible drug that maybe we should treat it as a poison not as a drug it is a business for uh, the criminal cartels. They generate about $13 billion a year in revenue based on the estimates that we have. And, uh, and 56 of those that we've apprehended so far this year were on the terrorist watch list, John. And so I, I don't understand. I, I really can't get through the insincerity of Joe Biden and the far left on this issue of immigration. On, on one hand they're they're literally allowing all of this to happen with their refusal to secure the border. And on the other hand, John, they've had the house, the senate, and the presidency for almost 2 years now. Have they done anything on DACA? I I don't think they've I don't think they've put forward a DACA fix when they've clearly had the ability to do that in a bipartisan manner. And so they they don't care about these people. They don't care about the ones that are inside the United States. If they cared about the DACA recipients, they would have passed a piece of legislation by now. Uh, and they, they certainly don't care uh, about the people that are, that are coming in here uh, that are being found deceased. Uh, and, and that's just the one shown on our side of the border. Why would you want the cartels to control anything inside the United States or on the edge of the United States? And that's exactly what they've done.
0: Yep. It makes no sense. It really doesn't. Let me ask you about the mayor, because the mayor of DC is an interesting character. Very eloquent, of course, well-spoken. But when the police in the Trump administration was thinking of deploying National Guard troops around January 6th, her police chief said, don't do it. She said, don't do it. The Biden administration won't deploy National Guard troops down at the border to really stop the flow of people coming in. But when Texas starts busing them up here and they start to feel it in their own backyard, all of a sudden they're okay with National Guard troops here. Are you, you find a little bit of hypocrisy in the D.C. mayor, not for January 6th, not for the border, but eh, my town now is getting overrun by those Texas migrants. Now I'll do it. People see through that, you think?
2: Absolutely. I I mean, they're loyal to the agenda of the far left. And uh, the the problem is the agenda of the far left has now caught them. And so uh, when you're a mayor, you've got a responsibility to govern. And and other Democrats are, are rejecting uh, what has happened. And so uh, she's starting to feel the pressure from, from other people, and, and so she's doing things. And I, I would remind you that this is a mayor who uh, – I mean, look, my wife and I had to walk uh, through um, – the streets one evening when we when we left the White House and uh, there were Black Lives Matters protesters all around that had encircled the White House. And uh, she told her police to back off, you know. And so my wife and I and uh, several others had to walk through those crowds being constantly harassed. and, And until you got a certain number of blocks from the White House, you were on your own. And so she's a political hack. Uh, none of us up here, uh, in, in my party have have any respect for because because of that. And, and her people, uh, and the country is paying a price for it.
0: Yeah. Really, really remarkable. The, uh, different solutions for different political circumstances. No doubt about it. It's really fascinating. We're in for a long war here. And it does seem like over time now, Russia is starting to make a little bit more gains, aren't they?
2: Yeah. It, it is a, uh, you know, Russia, from the standpoint of of the of just the number of weapons they have, they've got significant overmatch. Uh, the Ukrainians have uh, overmatched them with with love of their country and and heart and uh, and a will to fight. Uh, the Russians are actually you know going to prisons and other areas and and you know getting people to go into the Ukraine. So it, it is a um, it, it's a difficult situation over there. Uh, and in what you know, Russia Russia's strategy is is a Black Sea strategy. If you look at where they're moving, they want to control the Black Sea. Uh, the the talk about the grain, for example, and the ability to move ships. What what I want people to understand is this: if you if if you owned a ship and it was sitting in there at the port of Odessa, and you got permission from Russia, Turkey, and the Ukraine to move that ship that's loaded with grain out of the Black Sea and someone's going to put a minesweeper in front of you and allow you to move that ship, you're probably going to take that risk to get that ship out of there because it's a dead asset for you sitting there at the port. And and it's actually costing you money to keep it there, right? But you're not going to send another ship back in there. And so I, I, I think the hope that the world has of the agreement is is a little um, optimistic because my gut is that the ships that are inside the Black Sea right now will take the risk to actually get to get out, and so whatever grain they have on them probably moves out. But I don't see any shipping company uh, being willing to send another ship back into the Black Sea. And and I certainly don't see an insurance company being willing to insure a ship going into the Black Sea. So I, I think it's kind of a one-and-done type thing where, where the ships that are loaded with grain hopefully get out. Um, but right now, you know, John, Ukraine put about 4 million metric tons a month, close to 50 million metric tons a year into the exports. Right now, they're getting about 1.5 million tons out. Um that's a uh, you know you're talking about somewhere in the thirty five thirty seven point five percent I guess is the way it shakes out. Uh, the world estimates that I'm seeing are still showing somewhere in the seventy five percent. That's a that's a huge delta between what we're seeing move on a monthly basis and what the hope is uh, for the the world. And and I think I, I still think and I, I don't think we see the impact inside the United States the way they see it in Africa and the way they see it in Asia and other places. Um, but I, I still think we've got a, a serious problem with the global food supply that, is, that, is, that we're going to start see, seeing the impacts of it with, within probably the next 90 to 120 days. Yeah,
0: no, it's a real issue and there isn't enough urgency. It doesn't seem in the machinery of government to get ahead of it. It's going to be like probably the baby formula crisis before the afghan withdrawal it seems like we'll be trying to clean things up after the facts rather than get in front of it sir it's such an honor to having this show you always have the compass point at where the next big crisis is that that's such a great thing to have in washington because there's so few people that have that skill set really appreciate your time today
2: hey thank you so much don talk to you soon sir all right man all
0: right folks we're gonna take a quick commercial break when we come back we're gonna wrap things up for the day All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. It's hard to believe, but that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. I'm really grateful that each of you could join today. Now, one reminder, a lot of people say, hey, John, do you have an app at the Just the News? And the answer is we sure do. And not only do we have an app, it's in the Apple Store. It's also in the Android Store. It allows you to take the Just the News experience and go in three different ways. You can watch our videos and television shows you can listen to this podcast and many others like it like Victor Davis Hanson or you can read the stories that we do a 50 60 70 stories a day of the breaking news investigative reporting accountability reporting go to the iOS app store or the Android store today, download the Just the News app, read, watch, listen, three great ways to experience the Just the News content and to join the Just the News family. And if you really want to get involved with the family and say, hey, I want to support your investigative reporting john solomon i want to support the great reporters and the producers and the bookers and everybody that works to make the just the news experience possible you can do something really inexpensive that makes a big difference all you got to do is join the just the news vip club that's right what do you get for the vip club first off ad-free experience on the website and on your newsletters no ads no dancing videos no autoplay videos an ad-free experience on Just the News 24-7. Plus, once a month, you get to hang out with me at JustTheNews.com. We have a town hall. I sit and answer your questions for an hour. We talk about issues you care about. We cover topics that the other media aren't covering. It's an incredible experience to join the family the immediate family of the just the news team great opportunity sometimes we bring in our reporters it's always a delightful time if you want to get involved in that go to justthenews.com slash subscribe justthenews.com slash subscribe quick way to get into the club it's 4.99 a month 44.99 a year great way to support our journalism make a difference and get an enormous benefit yourself so go check it out today all right have a great night God bless you we'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from just the news. At just the news, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia Collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member. At Just the News, you'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at JustTheNews.com slash subscribe.
1: Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network on this fresh and engaging podcast i delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist exploring the furthermore